0: Hey it's Nick, welcome to the Upgraded Executive Podcast. Our guest today is Boomer Anderson, who's a health consultant, public speaker and host of the Decoding Superhuman Podcast. This episode is called Health Optimization, Address It, Assess It. We cover so much ground in this episode and it's packed with takeaways. Boomer really knows his stuff. Please subscribe, like and check out the links in the description to get early access to our videos. Welcome, Boomer, to the Creative Executive Podcast. It's brilliant to have you on. Oh, man. I love the word brilliant, and it's brilliant to be with you guys. Excellent. <laughs> so, Boomer, can you give the audience a little bit about your background, and what got you into this world? From a young age, I've been obsessed with the idea of
1: performing at my best. Maybe it was because I wanted to impress my father. Maybe it was because I was just this inbred perfectionist, but that very quickly, and this is the benefits of having a mother as a yoga teacher, I very quickly realized that there's this connection between mind and body. And that sort of Cartesian duality, if you will, didn't really exist. Like our mind is fueled by our body. We now know this through things like the vagus nerve. That level or dedication to performance brought me into finance after graduating from university in 2008. My first day in finance, and you guys will appreciate this one, was. September 15th, 2008. Actually, it wasn't my first day in finance, but it was the day I passed my Series 7 exam, which, of course, was the day that Lehman Brothers filed for bankruptcy and AIG gets nationalized. (laughs) And so here I am, you know, this really like arrogant investment banker going to work, and I just got my 93 on a Series 7. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be this really cool, sexy prop trader. And then Boom, life changes forever. They shut down the desk that I was supposed to be on, and I end up in this capital market space. And so, you know, after two years, I end up moving to Singapore. And at a very, very young age, due to an interesting circumstance of events, I end up basically running a financing desk at the age of 26. And so my territory encompassed 14 different countries. Now, as is customary in doing business in Asia, I end up traveling. All over the world, 40 countries in four years, yada, yada, yada. But still, I have this dedication to this health and performance aspect. You know, at that time, I was very focused on, you know, what diet was trending and implementing in my life and seeing how it made me feel. Basically, looking for the answer to the question of how not to sleep and how to do more work. Because after all, you know, I'm a banker and I have to be able to work 90 hours a week because that is makes a whole hell of a lot of sense, right? And so then eventually comes around this biohacking idea. You hear about this guy drinking butter coffee and you're like, oh, that's interesting. I'll try it out. And so all this time, you know, I think I'm doing everything right. I'm following all these trending diets and all this stuff. And externally, I looked great. Internally, you know, things may have not been going so well. And so... By the age of 30, I realized I'd accomplished everything I wanted to in finance and went into my boss's office and resigned. But you can't just leave when you resign, right? I don't know if you guys have resigned from a job before, but I had a resignation period. And resignation periods are great times to get an annual physical. And this annual physical in particular, I ended up just ordering a shitload of tests, anything that they would allow me to order. And at this point I was testing myself pretty regularly, but you know, you go into your doctor's office, I'm like, let's just keep ordering, ordering, ordering. My (laughs) bill must've been thousands of dollars. And one of those tests was a cardiac CT scan for calcium, which essentially is a very fancy X-ray to look at your heart to see if you have calcium containing plaque in your arteries. One of those arteries is the left interior descending artery, which is codenamed Widowmaker, And I had calcium in my heart. So how is this freaking possible that I was doing all of this shit that the Huffington Post and all these things people recommended? And at the age of 30, at a very low degree of body fat being very healthy, I had heart disease. And heart disease being the leading preventable cause of death in the world. And it made me realize that all of this experimentation really didn't have a framework or guide to it. And the way I was looking at my biomarkers, all these labs that I was doing was in the context of risk assessment rather than health optimization. Mm. And I was very much looking for health optimization, but I was evaluating everything through risk assessment. So from there, you take a step back, you start to look at things a little bit differently, we can get into the analytical approach that I took in order to, uh, you know, fix and start to heal myself. But eventually, some of those approaches allowed me to get approached by colleagues, to help them do the same thing. And so that kind of, in a way, organically grew into a business that I never intended to build and allowed me to really just now help entrepreneurs change the world by optimizing their
0: health. That is way too long of a story, but... <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I hope so, you enjoyed. So, what was the root cause behind the calcium buildup? Yeah, sure. So if you look at root causes, right?
1: And when we say root cause, everybody tries to cite like one thing, right? Mm -hmm. And that's very hard to do in the case of a condition like heart disease, because we can look at and now complex adaptive systems is very hot topic right now. And the modeling of it is super fascinating. But if we take a very simplified view of Heart disease, and sort of what are some of the factors that can go into it, and particularly the ones that were in my life? Well, stress can certainly impact your heart. I was stressed for sure. Sleep can certainly impact your heart and heart disease. And so I was sleeping from four to six hours a night between the ages of 18 to 30, right? And trust me, I cherished that six hour a night. Like that was not the norm. And so you have those factors, but I also had a basically a broken circadian rhythm. I mentioned I covered fourteen different countries. I was on planes all the time. I changed time zones at least once a week. You know, I was in London twelve times a year. I was in Amsterdam five times a year, which is where I live now. And I was in the United States five to eight times a year. So if you add all of that up, like externally, I looked fine. You know, had I was doing CrossFit and all these kind of crazy things, but I was. Broken internally. And that just manifested itself in my case with heart disease.
0: Discovering that was really your call to action. And, you know, Ben and I have interviewed lots of different guests, and each, it feels like lots of people have some kind of significant call to action in their life, which then makes them stop, reevaluate, and then start to fix their health, whether it be the physical health or the mental health. That then means that they're performing a lot, lot better. But it always really intrigues me why people have to have this call to action before (laughs) they take action. I mean, do you tend to see that with the people that you work with too? What's funny is, is that since I've gone through all of this, a lot
1: of what I do is kind of getting out there and getting the word out and speaking a lot. I just spoke in London as we discussed before we started recording. I try and speak as much as possible. And really one of the messages that I wanna convey to people is that you don't have to be me. I was 30 years old following everything that everybody recommended and I was broken. There is a much more appropriate measure to health. And as a result of spreading that message, I've had a lot of people come up to me afterwards and say that resonated with me. I work with entrepreneurs and people with an entrepreneurial type mindset who are in the mood or kind of on that goal to change the world. And in doing so, either they've heard me speak, or it's a referral through another client, mm-hmm. they kind of get the sense that like, okay, what I'm actually searching for here is the ingredients to make this machinery run at its best so that I can do whatever my goal is faster. And that's the beauty of working with a person with that type of mindset is that they're a little bit more proactive about these things. But for the most part, to answer your question, most people need to get smacked in the face before they actually do something about it, right? That's
0: why I think things like lead work, genetics, gut microbiome, quantified self, I think that really helps. One of the things I've certainly found is is that I provide all my clients with an overring. And then Mm -hmm. for the first time, you know, whether people agree with how accurate the ordering ring is or not, it gives them data from which they can then start to take action. Yeah. And I think then it's the first time that people really start to think about, you know, maybe I'm not sleeping as well as I thought I was. So I think for me, it feels like the whole data that we can get through now, through the whole Quantified Self movement, is really helping people maybe take that action before it gets too late. So what does data ultimately serve? The purpose of why
1: are we doing some of this lab work well it's to identify with certainty and provide simplicity to people's lives so that they know exactly what to do and what to take but data also has the corollary benefit that you've touched on which is that it really helps gain buy-in from the person who's seen it right like seeing the fact that you're Let's say you take a look at the Krebs cycle and you realize that, oh, okay, malic acid is a little bit broken here. Well, how do we get the right cofactors in there in terms of enzymes or minerals in order to make sure the you know, citric acid cycle or Krebs cycle is working properly? And then that just serves as that visual serves as a way for people to say, oh, yeah, maybe I should take action.
0: So data to me is the ultimate buy-in. And Booma, what made you create the Coding Superhuman podcast?
1: So when I was trying to figure out my own situation and sitting here and saying, like, how do I fix my heart condition? But also, how do I kind of build this operating model, you know, finance background, looking at operating models? How do I build the operating model for the human body? And... The podcast came about in sort of the sense that I wanted to speak to experts around the world. I wanted to do it for as cheap as possible because I was funding it myself. And it turned out the best way that I could think of to get a free consultation, essentially, is to start a podcast. Like, hey, come tell your story to my audience. Let me ask you a bunch of questions, which are helping me in a way. And then, you know, let's see what can come of it. And in reality, if you look at a lot of the episodes, almost 90% of the episodes, a lot of these questions come from my curiosity. A lot of the guests that are on there, you can kind of tell with sort of a seasonality of it, what I'm exploring. And that's why, that's really why I started the podcast. It's just sort of intellectual curiosity.
0: We've certainly found, Boomer, that people in this realm in this world around human performance optimization they're so giving and they're so accessible i think you know yeah. we've actually been really surprised ben and i around how willing people have been to actually give up their time to help spread the message exactly out of all the people that you've interviewed what are some of the biggest takeaways for you
1: i don't, wow there are a number of different ones that come into mind like there's very simple things that And I'll give you kind of the takeaways that I got from different people, but also give you sort of a higher level because the podcast itself has changed how I live my life, but also it's changed my perspective on many different things. And so there are little key takeaways like Wolfgang Unsold came on the podcast. Wolfgang unsolds he's an Olympic strength trainer for numerous different athletes, UFC fighters, but also the German speed skating team. And he came on and he talked about the idea of salt, lime, lime juice, a little bit of it, and water first thing in the morning. And it was like a little, just a tiny little hack like that, was able to elevate my energy quite significantly first thing in the morning. Now the way that acts, I come to later find out, is by raising cortisol. Cortisol helps us wake up in the morning, etc. But the lime helps really rebalance our gut. And that's been very, very helpful for my overall energy. And there's deliberately what I sought to do was tease out those little hacks that because my audience is time constrained professionals, you know, what are the things that you can do in five minutes, two minutes, 10 minutes per day, that would really lead to exponential change in your life. And so Wolfgang's was one. Then we can get into some of the stuff that, you know, Scott, who I know you guys are going to speak to soon, as well as my mentor, Dr. Ted, talked about around the concept of holobiont. And I can define that here in a little bit, but that whole concept of holobiont and looking at health optimization is really a function of optimizing the health of your organisms has profoundly changed my life. In fact, so much so that, you know, I'm running the head of health optimization practice, which is a division of the Home Hope Foundation here in Europe. That's how much I believe in it. There's just dozens and dozens of those things that I can go through, like talking to Stephen Gundry about lectins and really lipopolysaccharides. And there's so many different things. So if you had a vertical you want me to focus on,
0: whether it be nutrition or sleep or something, I can certainly get into that as well. What's your view around nutrition? Because I think, if I'm right, aren't you a qualified nutritionist? So I'm certified to practice clinical metabolomics.
1: I have you know, certifications from functional diagnostic nutrition, as well as you know, in epigenetics and so many other different things. Qualified nutritionist is a very specific term, which applies to somebody who's gone through nutrition school. I'm familiar with dealing with nutrition, but I'm not a registered dietitian, for instance. So, if you don't mind, I can jump right into your question about what type of person am I, right? And I'm going to sit in between and say I am a data-driven person. Now, let's walk through what that actually means, right? Because you have carnivore and you have vegan and they kind of sit on opposite ends of the continuum, and that's great. And for some people, carnivore may work, seems to work very well with autoimmune conditions. And for some people, you know, vegan may work, although there are some lifestyle modifications that we may need to make in order to optimize that work. Where I sit is kind of in the middle and say, okay, what does the data actually tell me? Because we now have the technologies to assess ourselves at the level of the genome, and the genome's the blueprint for where we're going, right? but we can also take that down, not just the proteome or the transcriptome or anything, we can take that down all the way to the level of the metabolome. And the metabolome will really, in assessing the metabolome, will allow us to see what nutrients we are missing, what nutrients we are deficient in or have too much of, and then we can go through this art of really nutrient balancing, because our bodies are actually a system of network, and to really, Optimize the network. You're not just going to throw a whole shitload of vitamin C at it Well, no, you want to make sure that you have Where the network is in terms of health and then you want to balance the network because that's what we do with networks and so that balancing and Having all that data allows me to balance the network in the context of the person so I don't necessarily care if you are keto if you are vegan or vegetarian if you are you know there's certain aspects to those particular diets by the way which may require further supplementation or lifestyle modification or if you're a carnivore i just want to make sure that you at a cellular level which is where i focus are running optimally
0: we interviewed the cartons so jason and myra Carlton, yeah. and they had a very similar approach really they were saying it doesn't matter what Diet you have, or which one you adopt, you're going to have some level of micronutrient deficiencies, or you want to try and plug those gaps, which I thought was a brilliant way of looking at it. And it sounds like your philosophy is similar.
1: What I value is certainty, and I value performance at the highest level. And once you've had a taste of what it's like to perform at the highest level, you never really want to perform at 60%, right? And so How do we get you to that highest level? Well, we need to assess and we need to regularly assess and maintain the system. That's essentially the principles of health optimization, right? Is just sort of assessing and maintaining the system. Then we look at different verticals for you. That could be at the metabolome, that could be at epigenetics. We can certainly look at circadian biology, but also your exposome and a few other things. That will all contribute to the overall health optimization of you
0: you mentioned earlier holobiont yes holobiont so holobiont
1: is a term that i guess let's step all the way back here and i'll build this well let's see if i can build this live right (laughs) all right so in the early 1900s out of russia there was something called the endosymbiotic theory are you familiar with this yeah and so the endosymbiotic theory essentially is that mitochondria came together in a symbiotic relationship with our modern an ancient bacteria and made our modern day cells. So our entire 37 trillion cell system is made up of symbiotic relationships. Now, this isn't the only symbiotic relationship that we have in our bodies and if our bodies are actually our own ecosystem, we need to look at those different symbiotic relationships because we have the skin the gut, we have our oral, my, all oral area, and that's all called the microbiome. We have fungi that live within us, things like candida, which can be both good and bad, called the mycobiome. We have viruses that exist all throughout us. Not all viruses are necessarily bad, sometimes they're dormant. And all of these ohms um, interact with our environment. We get influences from toxicity, sunlight, we know all of this, and that's called the exposome. And collectively, all of these ohms has a name, and that name was termed in the early 1990s by a doctor named Lynn Margolis, and that was the holobiont. And so what I like about that is that when you start taking a look at the holobiont, and particularly with a lens of health optimization, when we're calculating for health optimization, it actually makes sense rather than looking at some of these biomarkers in isolation, that we actually start assessing our health in terms of really the health of our organisms. So do we have the right balance in our microbiome? Do we have the right cellular nutrition in our metabolome? All of that stuff, frankly, it's a really exciting time to be alive and it's gonna only get more exciting because we couldn't assess this stuff As little as 15 years ago. Like the genome, we couldn't sequence. We couldn't know if we had APOE status. That would lead to a significant increase for likelihood of cardiovascular disease and Alzheimer's if we consume saturated fat. We didn't know that we would have all of this information available to us, but now we can assess it. And if you can assess it, you can address it. I'm sure what gets measured gets managed gets used way too often. So, you know, that that is a really exciting thing. And it's just really taking a whole biont perspective to health optimization allows you to really take a different approach to you know, optimizing things like diet and exercise and all that stuff.
0: What was the piece of tech that we came across, Ben? Was it Wavi, where you can yes. take a brain scan in four minutes? So it's the electrical current with Wavi. That's and right, then yeah. Dr. Andrew Hill- he was using EEG devices.
1: so if you look at Wavi and all of these, right? Let's take a look at like broader technology. It's super exciting time because mm-hmm. people are innovating on top of each other and it's just like things are growing at such a rapid rate. Right. Or like the idea of getting a brain scan like Wavi in your home was not possible before. Mm-hmm. Now is Wavi different from going and getting like a 32 or 62 lead EEG? Yeah, it's a little different. It is really exciting to have these devices available to us in our home. What I'm also excited about when it comes to some of this testing, and I'm hoping that it does happen, is Moore's law, right? And so right now, a lot of this testing that we've been talking about is kind of expensive. And yeah, I've built my life around being able to afford this testing, but you know, In order to make it more accessible to everybody, which I do think everybody would benefit from this level of testing, there needs to be some sort of Moore's law or accelerated Moore's law.
0: So, Boomer, what's really grabbing your attention currently from a tech point of view in the Ooh. health performance optimization space?
1: First things first, what is really exciting to me is this is going to be like the anti-tech answer And but I'll get into the tech answer in a second. So the anti-tech answer is this sort of coming back to nature element that you start to hear a lot more about. Yes, the Japanese popularized this, and I think the Faroe Islands are actually starting to prescribe it, or maybe it's Scotland, as a methodology to helping people reduce stress. Mm-hmm. We know that if you go and spend a decent amount of time in the forest, That or not even a decent amount of time, a short amount of time in the forest, that your cortisol levels drop. And if I look at just broader statistics in the workplace and say that something like 80% of workers are disengaged or actively disengaged, coming back to nature and just kind of regrounding yourself, if you Mm -hmm. will, seems to be a trend that I love. Getting more sunlight is great for people. Those sort of little areas of health optimization that cost nothing are really exciting to me because before, and we're gonna get to gadgets here in a second, guys. Before it was like, okay, let's buy the latest gadget, let's spend $300 on it. Now those gadgets have become $10,000 and let's spend a lot of money on it and see what actually happens. And now it's like, okay, people are, this lowers the barrier to entry for people. So that if you want to experience the benefits of health optimization without really initially spending any money, yeah, go get some sunlight. Make sure you're drinking a lot of water. Make sure some of that water has something like Totem Sport in it that has a lot of minerals. And making sure that you're just really starting with the basics and getting the foundations right. As I look around my room and just kind of look at the tech and the things that I am excited about. We'll do tech, and then maybe I'll do one more at the end, depending on how much time we have.
0: Yeah, sure, no worries.
1: So from a tech standpoint, and I'm going to keep in mind the people that I work with, and that's the entrepreneurs. And you guys know what this is like, right? Like you have very little time. Everything's scheduled. You need to do things. Inevitably, something blows up. It takes your time away from you. And man, all of a sudden, you have no time for your help. What I love about some of the technologies that have come out is the idea of taking that into consideration. So no longer having to go to a gym and instead having something like your Carol bike or your X3 bar at home, whereby I can get an entire workout in 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm a type of person that I love to go to the gym and clang bang weights and like just have some fun with it but that's not for everybody. And if you're an entrepreneur who's in the midst of raising a series A and just pulling his hair out and he only has 10 minutes in a day, well, having some of these devices at home is very, very interesting. So anything that kind of accelerates the ability to exercise faster or recover faster is very, you know, something like the NuFit for instance is just such an awesome device and you guys need to get Garrett on the show, but just these types of devices that allow us to live this modern day lifestyle, but still keep us checked in to our health, that I've found to be a very interesting space.
0: Ben and I both have the X3 bar. Got um, one sitting right here. Yeah, we've also interviewed Doctor John Jaquish, too, and that was an yeah. awesome in- interview. But you mentioned Carol. You mentioned another device there. That I've not come so, across before.
1: So Carol is the bike where you do two twenty-second sprints. And I just, you know, I love the Carol. I think it's very effective. I do admittedly, as I said earlier, like I love to go to the gym and throw some weights around when I have the time. And then the other one is the newbie, which uses, and Garrett may punch me in the face for saying, it's like, if I simplify this too much, sometimes I get emails that people are like, okay, we need to get your messaging a little bit better, but it's electro stimulation of your muscles and your nervous system to help you both move better, but also help you work out in a better way. And so to give you an example of this, his company is based in Austin and Garrett and I are both from Chicago. So I went into his offices and worked out with one of his trainers, guys is Malik and the guy is pound for pound, one of the best power lifters in the world. And had one of the best powerlifting workouts i've ever had but if you would have looked at the weight on the bar it was like boomer you've got to be kidding me like you're lifting 45 pounds or something like that right and so it's just a way to maximize the effectiveness of my workouts and that or you can i've had it i've used it in the context of rehab too so like doing a powerlifting competition and then having your quad shut off and then within 15 minutes my quad's now talking to me again, and I can go back to train. So it's mm. fantastic. It's also not one of those cheap devices. So you have to take everything into consideration there.
0: I think a lot of these devices are quite costly at the moment. <laughs> but <you> know, <laughs> yeah. As time um, goes on, you, know, you mentioned Moore's Law earlier, the cost will undoubtedly come down.
1: On the recovery side of things, I'm really excited for what I've seen with my quantified self devices with Mm -hmm. the nano V, the nano V being essentially a way to inhale third phase water or fourth phase water, not third phase, third phase water would be like gas, Um, but fourth phase water. And I've just seen inherently like my HRV goes up. And so I love devices like that, that allow me to recover faster and HRV being a proxy for my nervous system just allows me to recover faster and make sure that You know, I'm functioning at my best, especially in this world that we live in.
0: Are you using any tech on a regular basis from a quantified self point of view? So I have an Oura Ring,
1: which I do use that's pretty much daily. Let's take a step back on quantified self here for a second. Quantified self can scare people. And I think there are people out there that spend a significant portion of their day quantifying their day. You know, passive self-quantification is where I want to start with uh, all of my clients, really. And so an aura Ring is kind of a mandatory thing. I use a CGM, continuous glucose monitor, from time to time. I have a Garmin Phoenix. I think I have the old one now, Garmin Phoenix 5. But I use that only when I'm working out. And so there's different elements of quantification that it depends that I bring in depending on the variable that I'm trying to measure. And that could be anything from an EMF meter, a so gas meter, if I'm looking at optimizing my home environment to you know pH sticks, if I wanna
0: see that my pH in my body is going well. You mentioned sleep a few times, Boomer. Mm-hmm. In your experience, what are the things that people could do to really move the needle on sleep and, and have better quality sleep?
1: Yeah, so I'm going to take the presumption that a show called Upgraded Executive has a certain type of person listening to it. And if you're a very driven person and you're working a significant amount of time particularly at night and particularly on screens, I'd be very wary of screen time. And there are things out there like Moment is an app that you can start to track screen time, but also if you look at how to, and I'm not telling everybody to just go become a monk and live in the woods, right? When you start to look at screens and not just the blue light, but also the lux and adjusting that, you can manipulate screens. And so f.lux lux is the one that everybody's heard of and usually uses. Night shifts, what's on your phone. If you have an iPhone, it's not particularly perfect. One of my favorites is... A small company out of Bulgaria called iristech.co. And that one allows me to change and manipulate my screen both on an Android phone as well as Mac or Windows. But I also use Twilight on an Android phone, which I found to be very effective. So I'm very cognizant of light at night. I have LIFX here in my office. You can use Philips Hue. That's probably the most popular one but manipulating light states at night so that I'm Mm -hmm. able to wind down a little bit better is helpful. I also think that people need a wind-down sequence. If you are an upgraded executive, you probably need to find a way to just sort of unwind at the course of the end of the day. Now, for me, meditation has come back in force in this sense, both in the morning and at night, but also basic things like journaling. And just storing shit out of your head somewhere else. David Allen's been on my show before. And I give GTD a lot of credit for allowing me to take on more in the finance world. But also allowing me to keep my head straight in this entrepreneurial world. Because if you're an entrepreneur or an executive, chances are there's always things going on inside your head. And so having a place to capture all of that is very, very useful. And that can become a part of your wind down sequence as well.
0: I'm a big fan of David Allen getting things done. I think before I got into the world of optimizing myself, from my physical, mental, and emotional point of view, I was hugely into productivity to try and you know, squeeze as much as I possibly could out of every moment in the day.
1: Yeah. And I think you can still do that. But it's how do you do that, and then at the end of the day, be able to fall asleep, right? Mm. And so that is always the challenge,
0: right? You mentioned meditation. Mm -hmm. Is that one of the things that you work with clients on to help them reduce their stress levels?
1: With a client, we do a thorough amount of analysis. I can just kind of take you through the process, if you will. Yeah, of course. So So if you come in and decide to work with me, up front, I'm going to do a rigorous amount of testing, both quantitative and qualitative. That includes blood, urine, stool tests, all to look at metabolites, but also looking at qualitatively where you are. And the reason why I say all of this in terms of processes, some of those qualitative surveys will tell us where you are in your journey. And so if health optimization is a continuum, and on one side of the continuum, you have nearly dead, and on the other side, you have This epic individual, we try and plot you where you are on that continuum. And why do I do that? Because I want to meet the person where they're at. And when I meet the person where they're at, we can start to really self direct or really direct where those micro habit changes are. Mm. And so, yes, would I love to have everybody meditating? At some point, it will happen. But you have to meet that busy entrepreneur who is not convinced that meditation will work for him where he is and so maybe meditation initially starts with a few breaths and just trying to bring present moment awareness to stuff maybe it starts with something else heart math tends to be a really good tool here but then we kind of move into gradually into that space because how do we move gradually in that space if you meet somebody where they are and show them a little bit of success there's a movie called boiler room are you Familiar with it? Ben's shaking his head and laughing, right? And so Boiler Room has, I think, Ben Affleck in it and a few others. But the joke in Boiler Room from Vin Diesel was like, show a man 3% and he'll allow you to watch his kids over the weekend. Well, if I meet an entrepreneur and say, like, here, I'm going to show you a little bit of success, well, success is addictive. It compounds and people will eventually become open to further and further discussion. And so, yes, I would love to have everyone meditate at some point but we need to meet them where they are at that moment and then gradually work in that discussion
0: what i see a lot is that you know people these days are just chronically stressed Mm -hmm. and you know life is so busy they're so distracted and they're (laughs) approaching that point where just work 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 and they're very close to burnout it would be really cool to hear some of the things that you work with clients (laughs) on other than meditation to help them recognize it and manage their stress. I know you mentioned heart math and I think heart math is a really brilliant device, but what are the either tools, technologies, or techniques? So first
1: recognition was a word that you used. And what we lay out are kind of objective strategies and tactics, but also the measurement, right? And so we need to acknowledge what the variable is that we're going to track the success And with every goal, we have to have a variable that we're going to measure. And so for me, that variable with stress is usually HRV. Sometimes if we can get the right data, maybe breath per minute, that's something that we can talk about. And so right now I'm just gonna go kind of stream of consciousness. What are some things that can work for stress? And we'll start with like the chronically stressed person who just needs to relax or just needs to like have some sort of element. That they can add very simply to their life, like a supplement or like a tea, for instance, to allow them to just get a little bit of space. Because a chronically stressed person may not even see that they're chronically stressed, and or they may not be willing to accept that they need to create a little bit of space. And so, how do we create that little bit of space? You can use adaptogenic you know, like herbs. Some of the things that I like, like reishi, tend to be very effective in just sort of like okay, taking it back just a little bit and saying, okay, you know, here's a little bit of space. So adaptogenic herbs generally are very helpful in just making that one little bit of room for you to make better decisions, to recognize that you're chronically stressed and be able to create a discussion around. Now, another thing that's extremely effective is breathing. And you can watch people even I right now, when I start talking for a prolonged period of time, my breathing structure will change a little bit. I'm very aware of my breathing, but most people aren't. Most people are chest breathers, and chest breathers tend to activate the sympathetic nervous system. Belly breathers or diaphragmatic breathers are a little bit more balanced. And they tend to activate the parasympathetic nervous system. If you think about somebody who is stressed on a nervous system level, what they're doing is they're absolutely throttling their sympathetic nervous system all the time. This is why their HRV is usually very, very low. And if they're throttling their sympathetic nervous system all the time, you're not really giving yourself a break. And so introducing the concept of breathing properly is something that we eventually get into discussions about. There's plenty of YouTube videos out there about diaphragmatic breathing. But looking at books, I think Belicia Vranich wrote a book called Breathe, which is very good at taking people through exercises like this. The Oxygen Advantage is one of my favorites, Patrick McCowan. And those are really good resources to talk about just breath work and just really elementary breath work, if you will. We're not even talking about heart math, which is, I guess, the next device we can go down. And heart math is a tool. It's a biometric tool that allows you to put yourself into a state of coherence. And so that essentially means you know, heart and brain aligned. And the exercise that people do, we can actually somewhat do this right now, is to you know, take a, a breath in through your nose, and the nose is very important because if you're breathing in through your mouth, it could actually stimulate a sympathetic response. In through your nose, and really focus that breath on the area of your heart. And so if you do that enough times, maybe you mix in something like a gratitude practice and thinking about something that you're very happy about that makes you feel good. Like when I'm doing that exercise right there, I immediately jump to a state when I was 16 years old with my brother going down a double black diamond in Colorado and just sort of that top of the mountain feeling where you just look around and you're like, wow, this is nature at its best, right? And having that sort of device, particularly with an entrepreneur executive type crowd helps because it gives you biofeedback throughout the entire time. It shows you that you have this sinusoidal rhythm in your breathing and you can actually measure coherence and seek to get it in the green zone with math. And that will really serve as a shift in state. And as I mentioned earlier, once you've created space, once you've shown that success can be addictive, then people start to be more open to other areas of really exploring stress. And so one of the things about stress that most people don't realize is that that stress is not necessarily a bad thing. You know, stress can also be a good thing. So Anxious by Joseph Ledoux, I think it's Joseph Ledoux or Jason Ledoux is a great book on this as well. And he kind of walks through not just the physiology, but what constitutes anxiety and why people get different states of anxiety, etc. And so we've covered only a couple there, and I've rambled on for a few minutes. But there are other devices like the V-Lite, which I find to be extremely effective for just taking me down a level, the neuroalpha alpha in particular. Taking me down a level when I need it. Gratitude practice, which is so simple, right? where taking out a notebook and writing down three things that you're grateful for i usually like to do a person that i'm grateful for having a relationship with a opportunity that i have in that particular day and then some sort of device or thing around me that i'm grateful is in my life and that serves as a kind of a mindset shift and allows me to be the general of my day rather than the infantryman, if you will.
0: Do you do your gratitude in the morning or in the evening? So I do it in the morning. My morning
1: sequence is pretty automatic for most days. It's, you know, wake up, meditate for about 20 minutes. Sometimes it's a little bit longer depending on the day. And then I'll go into kind of stream of thought journaling, which I'm trying to capture. Essentially, my journaling process starts the night before where I pose myself a question of something I'm trying to resolve. And I go to sleep, I sleep on it, and hopefully something comes out of the ether, so to speak. And I go on to my journaling, stream of thought journaling, just sort of say, okay, what, what came up about that question? It doesn't always resolve itself, but it may take me in the right step. And then from there, I'll do a gratitude practice, and then boom, into
0: the matrix and on the day. And when do you fit in your exercise, do you do in the day rather than in the morning?
1: I do. Lately, I've been playing around a lot more with fasted cardio. And so fasted cardio just in the past has been very effective for me in terms of when I have a memorization. Exercise to go through. And so lately I've been playing around with fasted cardio. So for this morning, after I was done my gratitude practice, I would go and do my fasted cardio. But any sort of weightlifting, I will usually do around midday. And this is a practice that I started when I was in Singapore. And in Singapore and finance, midday, a lot of people will go out to lunch while Mm. I would go to the gym. And so I would go to the gym before London would open up. And that would allow me just that brief break in my day to do something to de-stress and it's something that i found just very rewarding in the sense that my mornings now are extremely dedicated towards x project right i take a break from that project i go to the gym and i come back and i'll usually do some manual stuff maybe email and then i'll go back into another project afterwards so it's a good way for me to break up my day
0: Mm. So, Boomer, just got two more questions for you. The first one is, how can people get in touch with you if they want to find out more?
1: There's so many different ways. You can find the podcast at decodingsuperhuman.com or on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever. Right? It's top 100 business and careers podcasts in in multiple different countries and top 250 in the US. And then from there, you can look at some of my non-for-profit work, which is around the Home Hope Association, which is designed to educate doctors and health practitioners around health optimization, You can go to homehope.org. And then I just was a part of a team that launched a supplement called Blue Canidine uh, last week, which you can go over to troscriptions.com and check that one out as well.
0: I know we've discussed a lot of different things, but what would be your top three tips for any executive that's looking to improve their professional and personal performance
1: first thing sleep Mm. and focusing on optimizing your sleep i used to be of that camp i think nas wrote this song called new york state of mind in the early 1990s which basically said sleep is the cousin of death okay fine nas i've let that go you know get as much sleep as you can ideally at least seven hours So, focusing on optimizing sleep Number two is stress optimization. And I'm going to give that a broad headline and say, like, you need to do something to cause or to create an element of fluidity in your life. Mm -hmm. But also you want to create Talib says, anti-fragile, right? And so it's like, how do you create the anti-fragile you? That could be in the form of meditation. It could be in the form of GTD. It's trying to achieve that sort of Zen like state, if you will. And then number three is measure. And I think measuring, I'm trying to remember what I said earlier, but like that quotable that I had earlier what gets measured gets managed. And all of this shit actually won't take place in your life. And it won't take place as fast as it can if you're not measuring. So regularly going in and analyzing your metabolome at a degree of frequency will help you plot a course for really optimizing your life, for really knowing what foods, what supplements, what lifestyle modifications to make. And it'll allow you to make that jump to that next level more frequently. And I guess I should have mentioned this earlier, but of course I do that with individuals. And if somebody wants to talk about it more, I'm always available.
0: Brilliant. Thank you very much for your time, Boomer. That was an amazing interview.
1: Thank you. I had a lot of fun, guys. This is great. great. Let's do it again soon.
0: I'd like to thank Boomer for his time and amazing insights. Remember, if you would like to access our content one week before it's released, please leave your details at www.upgradedexecutive.com forward slash subscribe. And we will send you a special link so you can access the videos one week before we officially release them. You can also follow us on all of our social channels at connect with UE and also our website at www.upgradedexecutive.com